0: to warm up? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. Don't hurt yourself.
1: Welcome back to Quaid in Full, the podcast with all the fucks to give about actor Dennis Quaid and the only podcast to know that you aren't sated until you are quaid I am Jeb Lund, a faulty radar detector that punches your ticket to traffic court, and I'm here with my deer-resistant salon-styled co-host Sarah D. Bunting. Moo and joining us to break down the mechanics of this plot and this quade. are two big leaguers heavy hitters really. They're here because we dig the long blog folks. The first is a former managing editor at the Phillies blog The Good Fight and a current writer and editor at Yahoo Sports. Please welcome Liz Rocher. Hello. Thanks for being here. I'm so thrilled. And helping her and us is a friend of mine of longish standing. He is a national writer and podcaster at Fangraphs, a former editor at Baseball America and Baseball Prospectus, and former big league executive in charge of talent and scouting. Please welcome, fresh off rescuing our Midwest sales from whatever the fuck it was, Johansson was running out of the local (laughs) office, Kevin Goldstein.
2: (laughs) Thanks for having me.
3: (laughs) Hi, Liz. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for doing this. For being our Excellent. patron saints of impossible dreams.
1: <laughs> now, before we get into the regrets that you're already feeling, uh, it's important that Sarah and I just established, do we have any pod business this week, Sarah? I don't believe we do. Excellent. And now on to the regrets. How are you guys feeling?
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be alone here. I have a soft spot for this movie. I love it. I'm not saying that's correct, but I do love
2: it. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything she just said, but the opposite.
0: <laughs> I understand it. I respect it.
1: You know, honestly, if, if you were to get a fantasy book, the, the panelists, this is what you'd want. You'd want somebody <laughs> strongly in favor and somebody who just comes out of the, right out of the gate and goes, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're very, you're very yeah. mistaken here. We watched The Rookie, which might explain... Why we're talking about uh, baseball experts and in in proud Hollywood tradition, some of the mechanics and some of the things about baseball might be a little bit wrong. (laughs) We can get into that in a bit. But first, the plot summary. Jimmy Morris, Dennis Quaid, was a baseball-loving wee lad from Connecticut and parts unknown. And one day, his dad's Navy job up and moved them to Big Lake, Texas, where years ago, nuns scattered rose petals to summon oil and baseball. Jimmy finds Big Lake lonely and devoid of baseball. He makes friends with a local shopkeeper, goes out to find the nuns field, and then a transition shot reveals that Jimmy has been stuck here in Big Lake for 30 years. We find out later that his arm started hurting right around the time when he might have made the big leagues, and instead he's wound up a baseball coach at Big Lake High School, which seems to only have nine players. He's married, he's got two kids and an infant, and right about now is when he figures out, hey, his arm doesn't hurt anymore, and he can throw pretty darn fast. So after an inaccurate count on his velocity, he winds up pitching to his students. They wind up getting better. They make a deal with him that if they make it to district and then state, He will try out again and see if he can make it to the big leagues with some predictable results. His wife seems a little bit upset that he has left the family to go pursue his dream. But of course, that gets resolved along with some dad issues. Did I miss anything?
2: I don't think so. There's an epilogue to talk about. Maybe maybe this is now not the time or the place.
1: Yeah, I think we can we can do that once we do the actual things wrong with the movie because I think we're gonna actually have <laughs> some, some thoughts about baseball in particular. You're the guest. I, I know Sarah and I have been a little dry in the past with some movies, so it'd be fun hearing you guys do it. Did I miss anything, Liz? Uh, was there anything that you, as an enthusiast to the movie, would want to focus on in the plot?
0: No, I mean I'm of I'm of the opinion that no matter how much I love this movie, it's long. I <laughs> thought it was going to come in at like 90 minutes because I've seen it so many times. Like, no, it is like a two-hour movie. Like, they could cut that entire 10-minute intro off completely. You could just pretend that doesn't exist.
2: It's very important to note. That I, so I, I took notes while I watched it. And the very first thing I've written down here in the and it's underlined is, why is this movie 128 minutes long? <laughs> and it, it's ponderous at times. It takes
0: it's, its time. It takes its time.
2: It's a slow burn. And yeah. it never actually burns. It's it's really just a it's just a slow a slow smolder at best.
1: Well, and there's no Chekhov's gun aspect to it. You know, we find out these nuns have magical rose petal oil and and baseball summoning technology. He gets called in, you know, in in Arlington to face the Rangers. And I was expecting to see just a big, hefty nun with like a forty four ounce bat there in the box, something to pay it off.
2: Can we talk about the intro? Like the first, the first very first scene, like it's like this weird narrative. It's like, I'm going to tell you about whatever that town is in Texas. is, And all I could think about was waiting for Guffman. And then they were telling me about Blaine. <laughs> and they were going like, to start singing about like, stool boot. As I tell you a tale about a town in Texas where oil rules. And it was just like stool boom. I was waiting for that. It was.
0: Um, <laughs> Thank you for singing that. Yeah. it's important. I love that movie. <laughs> I kind of Let's was in a Raising that.
3: Arizona place with that though yeah. you know turn to the right like uh, is this funnier than i remembered no it was just longer and worse
2: <laughs> yeah and the setup of the movie is exceptionally long and droning and long tracking shots and we get it he moved again um <laughs> and and playing a lot of baseball in bad weather it takes forever to set up and it takes forever to go i i this is not like an embarrassingly bad movie that you show your friends because they don't watch the really bad movie. It's just okay. And it's like its biggest problem is it's just utterly mediocre across the board, but it really should have been like a hundred minutes at the most. Yeah. So once a month,
0: my, my podcast partner and I watch a baseball movie and talk about it for our Patreon. We've done 22. This is among the best we've done. So maybe that's why my scale is a little off because I've watched Ed (laughs) I watched Ed, the the gorilla baseball movie.
2: Right. This is one of the best baseball movies ever made, which means in the total scope of movies, it's a below average movie.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) It is one of three. (laughs) 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 And no one can ever agree on, on the three. Yeah. I watched this for the first time, not when it was particularly new. It was like 10 years ago when I finally got around to it. I remember finding it enjoyable I sat down with it this time. Like Kevin, my first note was like, how many minutes? And then, you know, then there's nuns and, you know, they fail to go off in the third or fifth or 17th act. Like, where's the nun line army? Come on. (laughs) But I just like, I'm not sure what appealed to me about it the first time I saw it. that like the magic was gone this time. And maybe it's because I'm, you know, watching it for a project and- didn't feel like i could be like that's enough and turn it off 37 minutes
2: into it yeah, it's, it's because you'd seen it before like it is a very disnified story it's manipulative it's it's trying its best to grab you your heartstrings every chance it gets and there might be some mild success the first time you see it, but it's, it's never going to last that's the kind of thing we're like okay you got me once you're not going to get me again i know what you're trying to do here
0: it's yeah. two movies it's two different movies they wanted to have the best of both worlds and they really it's a high school success story and then it's old guy goes to majors. It's two different movies.
3: Yeah. And I just couldn't get past the fact that like if one of them gets hurt, the mascot has to come in and play second base. Like what's gonna happen?
0: <laughs> there isn't even another an adult on the in the area who could just stand there and be an assistant coach for funsies?
1: Yeah, this is actually the uh, this is the baseball game that gave Major League Baseball the idea of the ghost runner. I think (laughs) (laughs) funnily enough, like I had an opposite experience. I watched this twice, having never seen it before. And the first time it was that ponderous. But it was sort of like when you drive somewhere for the first time and it feels like it takes an hour and you drive there the second time and it takes half that.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Watching just for the scenes and knowing okay it's supposed to be this open it's not going to pick up this is the pace it wound up feeling like less of a drag the second time but i don't know as if um it's you know i I, maybe that's just i ratcheted the expectations down maybe i was in more of a mood to marinate in the disney manipulation because it seemed like the second time when you're when you're not waiting for like okay they're bringing the nuns back right (laughs) and you just got what they've got you're like well that's that's good dad manipulation right there now i definitely feel bad as a a man i can't relate to my kids or my father that's they, they hit the button <laughs> they did it <laughs> yeah
2: and don't forget you as you have the as you always have the perfect angel far too wise beyond his years kid
1: mm-hmm. which is somewhat belied by the fact that he wound up on two and a half men i You're was like, just I don't gonna say, anymore. you've got no vision kid uh, yeah
3: angus has been punished let's <laughs> let's leave him alone yeah no. I mean, there's not nothing to like here. I think actually there are some really good performances that sometimes you get to the end of a speech that is 90% abstractions slash dialogue cobbled together from other versions of this movie starring Kurt Russell that aired at six o'clock on a Sunday when we were kids. And you're like, oh, that was actually bad. But because it was Rachel Griffiths, you're like, oh, I almost didn't notice that that was bad. Almost didn't notice. And I like the town guys just, like, yeah. giving each other shit and that whole, like, side thing, like, they're in a cutscene from Diner about Mel Torme. I mean, <laughs> I have a clip of this, but also our visual aids are, like, six shots of those two guys, like, cringing, and then I just captioned it, like, you're co-hosts. Like, I mean, <laughs> there's not nothing to like here but then there's no. well i'm gonna play a clip of um the great griffiths <laughs> trying to bail this basically she's playing the angry cop wife but like the baseball movie version <laughs> of it in this clip and she's trying to bail it out but she just can't so here we go for the record right i never said i was gonna do oh, this oh come on jimmy i know though
2: i was hoping for a little bit more support on the home front
3: oh so this didn't concern me or the kids You can't eat dreams, Jimmy, and they don't pay for clothes or shoes or gas or babysitters. Now, I do not want to be the bad guy on this, but somebody around here is going to start being rational.
1: You know what? That's all I've been my whole life. Yeah, what
3: about my life?
0: I was there, too, remember? Every time you got hurt, I got a front row seat to watch you shut yourself off from the rest of the world and from me.
3: Truth is, I was happy when you quit. happy yeah i don't want to see you get hurt again because you know how married couples wait until there's a camera around to have these critical conversations about injuries (laughs) in an athletic career uh i mean maybe i'm being too harsh but
0: you can't eat dreams if, yeah, you, you
2: can't. if I have a regret about the notes I took while watching this, it's that I did not count how many times the word "dream" or "dreams" was used in this movie because <laughs> it's a lot. And then, as a side count, how many times the word "dream" was used while someone was pointing at their heart?
3: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I I must have blocked that out because I don't think I was aware that that happened, and I'm pretty sure I was happier. <laughs>
2: let me tell you, Sarah, your dreams come from here, and I'm pointing at my heart.
3: I can't eat that, Kevin. I can't
1: eat that. Personally, I'm just sad that she didn't lean into the cop wife thing and go, be a real hard ass about it. Like, damn it, Jimmy, turn in your ball and glove. (laughs) (laughs) Too close to this game, Jimmy.
0: See, I watched this verse with my dad, who is the only other person in my family who loves baseball like I do. So... That is why I see this movie such, through such positive glasses, because he likes this more than Field of Dreams, and I'm very grateful.
3: Hmm.
2: Okay. I, this is, yeah, I mean, Howard the Ducks a better film than Field of Dreams, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't stop dads from liking it and wanting to watch it when you come over. I'd rather watch this.
3: <laughs> fair. Yeah, that the is mechanics fair. are a little better. <laughs> yeah, speaking of mechanics, should we get into the, relative baseball abilities at all? <laughs> or- <laughs> sure,
1: I mean, it's uh, before we get into the Quaid Qua Quaid, we need to do the Quaid uh, Qua Quisenberry or the Quaid Qua Quantrill. We have people who oh, watch God. baseball a lot more carefully than we have, Sarah. I think it's time to hand it over to them. What what's uh, I don't need a number here on the, the value over replacement portrayer, but I do want to know what Dennis is doing out there right, what he's doing wrong, you know, what's going to get him in trouble...
2: Yeah, I mean, I took notes, so, uh... <laughs> Super late arm action, kind of a short armor. It's a short stride. Uh, Mm -hmm. The arm comes late. He's not really synced up well. There's really poor lower body coordination in his delivery. Um, And then there's a couple, like, slow-mo head-on clips. You can see he's not really gripping the ball right. He's like a very loose grip. He's not going to be able to generate much spin on a baseball. Um, Really unimpressed with his mechanics. Huh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, look, it's Hollywood and it's Disney. I, I do appreciate the sound effects. When he throws a baseball. That you, you <laughs> Thank know, you for bringing that up. The sound of a rocket, basically. Um, and if you ever have a chance to, like, get very close to someone throwing a ball 95 miles an hour and there's no stadium or anything, there's no people in the stadium or anything, it's just you and, and the catcher and the pitcher, it does make a fizzing noise. It, it does, like, it comes in and you can, like, you hear it. Uh-huh. Um, but, but, like, they, they have, like, this strange, like, it, it felt like a rocket engine effect that I, I did appreciate. But if you just watched him throw. And someone said, hey, here's here's Dennis Quaid pitching. How hard do you think he's throwing? And I watched that, I'd go, I don't know, like 65? <laughs> I mean, he looks like an actor throwing a baseball. He doesn't look at all like a, a professional pitcher bringing gas. And, it, it, you know, as someone, you shouldn't let it do this. And obviously, you always have to have the, you know, the willing suspension of disbelief and everything like that. But as someone who's spent far too much of their life watching baseball and evaluating baseball players like it it, it was glaring at times
1: (laughs) the uh, the one where he hauls off to throw it in front of the uh, the radar machine right look like the traffic radar yeah like a one third delivery like he there was I mean, I, I don't know, like, were there 16 men on base? Did he not want to, like, do a full wind-up? I mean, what's going on? It was just like... He's
2: out of the stretch. For yeah. somebody who's,
1: who's trying to actually measure it, you know, for real, it looked like, oh, I'll just get this done. <laughs> and he just sort of shot-putted it away from himself. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: But he made a lot of faces.
3: He oh, did make he, yeah. a lot of faces. And the,
1: each exactly. face was
0: also a like, lot. It's like half the battle with this. I mean, I've watched a lot of actors try and throw baseballs. Um, I've watched For Love of the Game. It does quite as better, you know. He's definitely a lot more convincing, I'd say, and maybe just based on the facial expressions alone.
2: He 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 knows how to growl. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He does have that like I'm in the centrifuge, but I also smell something bad when he's like <laughs> doing the full.
2: <fold>. Yes.
3: <laughs> you know that. <laughs> I uh, was impressed as someone who was sort of watching this, like knowing that they're having to cut around and shoot around this actor throwing a baseball, not very hard. I thought that they did the best that they could do without making it too glaring on the um, film build side of things. I thought they struck a good balance between this guy can't really throw realistically and there's only so much we can do to hide that because he's an actor. But um, there were a few times when I wondered what it was like for the director. You could tell that uh, Quaid is like, I'm going to do a Tiant thing. And see how it feels, and the director's like, fucking whatever, like, we just have to fix this <laughs> and then put a whoosh on it? Like, what? can we just right. not...
2: He's like, I don't know who that is. Get on with it. Like, okay. Right, we'll make okay. a mean... F- just make a mean face, we'll do a close-up, we'll be fine.
1: Mm-hmm. Just imagining, like, shooting, stopping for four weeks because he tried to do, like, a Marishal leg <laughs> kick once.
2: <laughs> Ruptured
3: his gluteus minimus, right. and it's like, well... <laughs> I, I guess we do the classroom scenes now. <laughs> the entirety of the rookie is out with a hammy. <laughs> oh my God, I would like to ask if anyone thought anything about the suicide squeeze play. Because as someone whose last name is Bunting, I felt like they're they're, tr- they're trying to they're trying to get me back in.
1: Uh, how how did we feel about that? I mean, you brought it up. Let's walk through the door. <laughs> how did we
3: feel about the suicide squeeze? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure nobody else noticed it. I have to.
2: Risky strategy. I thought overall he was a pretty bad coach. Um, that stuck with me a lot. Like his, you know, like kids giving up hard shots and the pitcher's just kind of rolling his eyes and not covering bases. There's lots of throwing to the wrong bag. I just thought fundamentally <laughs> this team was bad. And I don't think they, I, I, I really bad fundamental. I was disappointed. That, and that's on the coaching. You know, that's not on the kids. That's on the coaching. And I thought he was a bad coach. Okay. That's on exactly a scale the of...
0: type of showy play that you run for a movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: If there's a camera right there.
2: Yep. I like, the, I like the painful slide at the end of the squeeze where the kid looked mm. like he was having a stroke as he slid. I, just, I enjoyed that. <laughs> a lot of Willie Mays Hayes.
1: Yeah. Well, he's, you know, you, you go down like uh, into the plate, you come up with a lot of hair
3: on that field. So. <laughs> Yuck. Now, on a scale of one to Davy Johnson, how dad cappy was the performance of Dennis Quaid's cap?
2: How much money did Jiffy Lube pay wow. for him always to be In wearing a Jiffy scene. Lube hat? That was my question. They're like, I, wait, wait he's always wearing this Jiffy Lube hat. There's yeah. no reference. They, they they paid for that, right? I'm, I'm, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here. As I, I mean, I privately do, but like, they, <laughs> they paid money for that, right? That's how this works, right? Yeah, they had to. Well,
1: Kevin, it took place in Texas. It's kind of an oil state, so.
2: <laughs> I mean, so now we're back to the beginning of the movie. Let me tell you about this West Texas town. It's an oil town. Everybody's name hey. is Derek.
1: <laughs> you leave the car, pretty much. It's just swarming with nuns. <laughs> 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 they just come out like little Jawas, you know. But they
3: fix oh, stuff. Oh God. You know, just... <laughs> Like, uh, what's his name with the midges in Cleveland?
2: Jabba? Yeah, Jabba Chamberlain.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: That was a special time.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard that name in a long time. Jabba Chamberlain. I couldn't even pull it, so thank you for bailing me out.
2: I thought some of the portrayals of minor league life were accurate.
3: Yeah.
0: Pretty much. I wanted to ask
1: about that, actually. Yeah, me too.
0: $600 a month.
1: They mentioned the 600 a month, but then, you know, when he goes out with his his teammates, they're having beers and steak. And I was like, that doesn't look like a single slice of American cheese pressed between Wonder Bread that has been backed <laughs> over by a golf cart. Like, are you sure this <laughs> is a baseball
0: meal? Yeah
2: it's, just, yeah. it's also like, they show those kind of things a lot. And the, the, that's one thing that's like inaccurate, not in the quality of food, but like, this is the minor leagues. They just played a night like there's nowhere to go have a beer and a steak right they showed up at the ballpark at two three o'clock the game ended at 10 that 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 concept of going out at night for the beer and steak, it's they're in like the middle of central florida like nowhere's open yeah like there's nowhere to go to do that kind of thing those, those things don't happen but like the clubhouses and the crowds and some of the atmosphere stuff i thought oh my God, that's that's accurate that's done well
0: i agree with that wholeheartedly it looked very similar to the minor league baseball team that uh, where we currently live <laughs> No, most no focus on the baseball and tons of focus on the crap happening everywhere else. <laughs> oh,
2: I, I do have one more baseball thing, which I, the, the movie and Jim Morris were ahead of Major League Baseball in terms of batting practice and the value of batting practice in the sense that really just over the last four or five years, teams have become very into taking real batting practice against real velocity. And, you know, this was obviously taking place in, the, in whatever, in the 90s. And so, like, they're 20 years ahead of their time. And that so, like, teams have realized that just taking batting practice from a guy just kind of flipping it in there and swinging accomplishes nothing. But taking batting practice against real velocity is something. And when the kid steps in, he goes, no, throw me a real." And I'm like, see, this kid's 20 years ahead of his time.
1: Nice. Just on the Jim Morris stuff, do you have any comps with Quade and and Morris the real guy? did you see much footage of him pitching?
2: Oh I remember Jim Morris pitching and yeah no they don't look at all alike. Um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it's funny like it, it, it it's a remarkable story obviously and, and it's you know it's a true story like you know, this guy got drafted, got hurt was a low pick anyway and came back in his mid-30s. It's a remarkable real story um just to, for him to get to the big leagues and he really was throwing at 98. Uh, he also was like hampered from the second he turned pro in his mid thirties or returned to pro baseball by control problems. You know, he walked a ton of guys in the, both in the minors and even when, when the Rays called him up, um, that's really what was, was kind of his undoing at the end was, it was just like, he just couldn't throw enough strikes. Hmm.
1: Well, then also like he re-injured himself pretty quickly, right? Like he did.
2: Yeah. yeah. He got like a, he got, he only pitched with the Rays. He got, I think in the year his, after his second year of the Rays, he got invited to, I want to say Dodgers camp and, and, and yeah, I got a little ouchy and, and that was kind of it.
3: Mm. Yeah. Well, he seems to be doing pretty well as a motivational speaker who is oh, yeah. suddenly Ooh. turning into chicklist Michael chicklist from the shield, the shield who uh, later goes on to star in Vegas with Dennis Quaid. It's all, it's all a circle of something.
1: Oh, it connected. all comes
2: together. Yeah.
3: Wheels within wheels. <laughs> so the
1: professional take on the movie as a movie was a little bit more enthusiastic than I think uh, all of us here would agree with, but it did kind of go back and forth. I, I, I took a, a couple samples. I'm not sure it's quite the uh, the spectrum that we would like. Scott Tobias of the A.V. Club just brings up some, some other baseball movies here right out of the start. On the continuum with Bull Durham on one end and Field of Dreams on the other, John Lee Hancock's The Rookie occupies that rare spot in the middle, tempering a weakness for Quaker Oats Americana with a surprisingly modest and sobering sense of proportion. Hancock, not to be confused with John D. Hancock, who managed a similar earthiness with 1973's Bang the Drum Slowly, wages a compelling battle between dreams and responsibilities, with a special appreciation for the little footnotes that make the game special. Touching and wise, with fine performances and impeccable widescreen photography, The Rookie is a rare family film that encourages kids to pursue their dreams, but not before giving full weight to the consequences. That seemed to be about the most balanced one, Ebert is a little bit less overjoyed.
2: (laughs) Fuck him up, Roger.
1: (laughs) The rookie combines two reliable formulas, the little team that goes to state and the old-timer who realizes his youthful dream. When two genres approach exhaustion, sometimes it works if they prop each other up. Not this time. (laughs) Not when we also get the dad who can't be pleased, however hard his son tries, and the wife who wants her husband to have his dream but has a family to raise. The movie is so resolutely cobbled together out of older movies that it even uses a totally unnecessary prologue just because it seems obligatory. I know it's based on a true story, but a true story that seems
2: based on old movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't think this is a horrible movie. I just it's, it's just like you watch it and you go, "Okay, I saw that hmm i'm not yeah. gonna remember it i'd never want to see it again <laughs> like it's like it's not it's not horrible it's not a horrible movie like horrible movies you remember because of how horrible they are like, like those are bad like this is a, I, I grade everything on the baseball scouting scale from 20 to 80 this is a 45 like it's it's an absolutely unmemorable mediocre film
1: See, now, I don't want to get into it here, but, like, I think there's a dad or, like, a parent factor in a movie like this when you're reviewing it. Well, we'll get to it. The last uh, contemporary review I have is from Kenneth Turan of the L.A. Times, who also tries to, to balance out all the different factors going into this movie. Against all expectations, the Dennis Quaid starring Rookie turns out to be an unapologetically emotional film that doesn't make you gag. One that manages to be sentimental without turning into a shameless wallow. It doesn't take a soothsayer to figure out what happens from here on in, but The Rookie doesn't shortchange the difficulties involved for Morris, his wife, his team, even his estranged father. The pleasure of a film like this is not in wondering where it's going to go, but in knowing its exact trajectory. Getting us all to pull for a foregone conclusion, as if the outcome was in serious doubt, is no small sleight of
3: hand. Okay. All right. (laughs) I don't disagree with any of these assessments, even if they're, like, generally more positively toned than mine. Like... This isn't a bad movie.
2: But it does wallow sometimes.
3: Yeah. And like, I don't think it's pathetic, but it's also like, it's just too long. And I don't think it's incorrect to, like, if you've attached to this movie for sentimental reasons, like I've attached to a lot of garbage for sentimental reasons that I rewatch, even though it sucks. Like, I don't think that's wrong, but this one is not going to be one that that happens to me. Right. I, I think maybe where
1: Turan or that that urge to sand down some of the less not a drag edges of this. I mean, it does kind of read like somebody who's going, all right, I know how you have to deal with movies that are made for kids. I mean, because this right. is as, as much a dad seeing this and feeling like a, it could have been possible for me kind of vicarious thrill. There is the I'm going to be watching this with a small person 30 times in a row uh aspect of a film like this and and it's a pretty movie it's well acted and if you're going to be stuck in there for a long time with with this plot it does it in a way that that is at least like more digestible for for the repetition that's just my 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 parent watching take
3: well it, <laughs> the performances are good i i will say that does complicate the assessment like i was saying before that as we sort of stare down the barrel of rating this one to 10 it's like the writing is bad, but they do a good job with it. So, I don't know.
0: Everyone's trying. I think yeah. that's where the the desire to soften the edges comes around. Because everyone's trying in this movie. It's trying to be something. All the performance are aimed in a certain direction. You know, all the elements were there, and they're trying to turn it into a movie. There's, like, great characters, and it, it is very pretty. It just mm-hmm. didn't happen to overcome the source material.
2: Spoken like the perfect Little League coach. Everyone's trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Well, Liz, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, do you feel ready to give it a, a number rating on one to 10, 10 being the highest? Like, do you know off the bat?
0: Yes, I feel ready to do this. I'll give it a six out of 10. For me personally, with my experience with it, it is above average. I would watch it again and almost certainly will the next time I go visit my dad. All
1: right. Kevin, I'm going to guess it's
2: a No. Four point three eight one would be my number, and I never want to see it again. I, I, it's not—it's not like because I was offended. By, I was never offended by it. Well, maybe a couple times, but like it, was, it wasn't horrible. I have no reason to see this movie again. Is, is how I feel about it.
1: Well, I was going to give it a six, like like Liz did, but I think all that's my like. Okay, I've got to add the dad factor here. Mm. If you're going to make this a family movie on the the slate of family and sports movies within those expectations, it does contribute more than it takes away i mean for every kind of moment where you're like this is taking a while or all right i know they have to hollywoodize this you know there is like a turn where you're like that's dennis quaid doing really moving nonverbal stuff or there's rachel griffiths yes. rescuing a line that shouldn't exist
2: yeah i mean to be fair and in full transparency like my experience is, is the absolute opposite of liz where like she watches this movie with her father i was estranged from my father who's now passed away and that never got resolved so when i see some of this stuff sometimes honestly this is just me i'll just kind of at some point i'll be like oh fuck off like I, this just how i'm gonna react to it um and so maybe that's part of it i don't know
1: you're like brian cox never grows up he never <laughs> don't, learns
2: <laughs> don't you think like i i did think like about especially during the prologue part before they they kind of settled into into Jim as an adult, I just went, all I could imagine was some sort of pre-production meeting with the casting director walking in and saying, God damn it, we can't get Tommy Lee Jones as the dad.
0: Mm. Uh,
2: Yeah, I can absolutely see that.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) See, I totally get that point of view. My father has a weakness for movies about fathers coming to terms with their very gruff, emotionless fathers. For obvious reasons. Um, You know, my grandfather and my father's relationship got better over time, but he has a weakness for those movies and specifically watching those movies with me, his oldest daughter, and the only one in the entire family who cares about baseball at all. So I I can't give this movie too low a rating because I have so many positive memories attached to it. Like we would watch this and then the next day we would watch Miracle and then we'd probably watch Miracle again because it's a great movie.
3: Can, Can I come over? I'll bring my you dad. Should. It'll be great.
0: <laughs> um it, yeah,
3: I'll just My dad like, is have, very well behaved. I'll have yes. uh he is, Dave Sr. He's a he's a gem. Um I'm giving this a four. I'm a little surprised to be the, the lowest one out the gate, but uh it, yeah, the writing is just roof. It's roof stoof. And on top of that, the quality of the like armed forces parent child estrangement like yeah. that credibility was not like that this kid is like eleven and he's like what do you mean we're moving like oh bitch like I-, I was raised by an army brat and it's like she wouldn't have been happy about it but this is what it is. You move every three years like but I just made friends like you're not the younger kid. That's not how that's gonna work. I, I don't know. There was a lot <laughs> wrong here and it felt even longer than it was. So four
1: Fair enough. All right. Now we come to Quaid qua Quaid, and we're going to talk about, you know, the fundamental Quaidity of the Quaid performance. Is it achieving what we think of as, as sort of like the idealized Quaid? Uh, we're also measuring like how much is he in it? How is how's he handling what he's got? You can play around with this one that the parameters aren't a, as confining as, as one might think. Liz, how did you feel about it? Are you a Quaid head in any respect?
0: I mean, I guess I, I don't know if I could call myself a Quaid head, but I've seen a lot of his movies i don't know if a lot of it's been intentionally seeing his movies but i have consumed a lot of his films i thought he was very quaidy in this quaid does a lot of face acting and his face at this time is like the proportions of foldiness to faceness are like completely perfect for him to act his ass off on his face throughout the movie
2: that's an excellent point yeah
0: thank you
1: kevin i know you're a big quaid head (laughs)
2: Yeah, i'm more of a randy quaid guy but you know no <laughs> that's terrible. we keep
3: getting y'all every single baseball
2: guy <laughs> except <laughs> a joke that's true i'll say this much My like God. i i think dennis quaid looks like a baseball player like if i showed you a photo of dennis quaid today and i said yeah this guy pitched 11 years in the myers had a couple of cup of coffees now he's coaching high school team in texas you'd say yeah of course yeah like he looks like that and so yeah. hey, it works well he doesn't show up in the movie until the 13-and-a-half-minute mark because of the crazy, stupid prologue. I think one of the problems with this movie, in far as its utilization of Dennis Quaid, is that, and I could be wrong, but I was pretty sure um, in the last 20 minutes or, or, or so of the movie, when his AAA manager tells him he's getting called up to the big leagues, it's the first time we see him smile. And so we don't get a good range. Like he's, He spends most of the movie scowling. And, and so we don't get enough of that. Like, he's made money off of having a great smirk, and we don't get to see the smirk enough.
3: Mm, that's true. I think he's excellent in this. I mean, prologue aside, he is the titular rookie. So that's a pretty high quade factor. You do see the grin and the Tara Ariano honorary does this character fuck metric. Um <laughs> kids on the floor clearly he does also it's racial Griffiths come on so there's that metric and unusually for Quaid like I think he is fairly Quaidy and cast extremely well like Kevin was saying he looks like this part but he's also bailing out writing that's shiteous at times which is not yeah. always something he can do. Like, talk about the sort of father-son estrangement tip. I have a clip from this conversation he's having as an adult with his mom about it. This writing is not so bad, especially she gets a good line at the end, but this is not necessarily a scene that you think Dennis Quaid is going to keep above the waterline, and he does, so let's hear that.
1: Well, what do you want me to do, pretend
2: everything was perfect?
3: And blaming your father for too many things for
0: too many years.
2: I just call him like I see him, Mom.
0: <laughs> Jimmy, you can sell that story someplace else, because I ain't buying. You got your shot at baseball. You got hurt. Simple as that. It had nothing to do with your father. You think he didn't have dreams?
3: And why it didn't work out with you two?
0: I'm gonna need a longer street for that dog.
3: I just love that line, and it occurs to me listening to this clip that what might be really helpful to Quaid here is that he is allowed to be from Texas in a movie that is set in Texas. No accent yeah. battling.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's no, it's no No Country for Old Men, but you know, <laughs> the mom does have the same accent as the as like the the mother in No Country for Old Men. I am an old woman.
1: yeah she does well I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you here Sarah that like that he bails out that scene in a way that he wouldn't have I think a decade prior and what struck me was at the end when you have the moment of you know emotional understanding with him and his dad uh, who's played by Brian Cox and even before succession he has all the kind of like closed off menace of brian cox that you cast brian cox for of like nope i'm not hearing it dot the i cross the t get out and in that performance like quade is listening to his dad finally be the dad he's been praying you know his dad would be and i think a decade prior he would have been wobbly lower lip mm-hmm. just full-on like yep, yep. sad clown kind of face <laughs> and instead the emotions are all playing off his face he's not giving way to one that nothing's done too hard, but all that ambiguity is there in in a very efficient but very convincing way. And and it's I mean I think one of his best performances that we've seen from him, and it's not really where he excels, but I think as we're kind of moving more and more into the the Dennis Quaid Dilf era, mm-hmm. this kind <laughs> of Quaid presentation might be normalized. <laughs> uh, but here I think it really stands out.
0: Agree. Undeniable DILF.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of a one-dimensional performance, but he nails the dimension.
1: So, do we have numbers that we we feel good about uh, applying to the the level of quatosity? Yes. I do. All right, let's let's
3: hear it.
0: I'm gonna go eight, um, nine and a half
3: because I think this is gonna be in the lead in the obit, also. So,
0: oh yeah, you're right. It's
3: very quaidy, in mm. my opinion.
0: I'm gonna go six. Like I don't, man, I
2: don't <gasps> think this leads the obit like the right stuff and breaking away is going to lead to obit and this you know great balls of fire and jaws 3d like i think that's gonna be 3d obit.
0: most of those will be the
2: obit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> most of them
2: but I would, that's, the, that's the problem like i would actually watch jaws 3d again
3: <laughs> it is pretty
2: funny
0: you're being kicked off the podcast immediately
2: <laughs> that's a far worse movie but i would watch that again before i watch this again
1: Like, I would argue with that. I would have a point about that. But the thing is, we already did an episode about that. So I I could get all of them out and not have to worry about having them again. Right. So
2: your
3: assignment is when you're done with this to go back and listen to that episode.
0: I would never suggest that you watch that again, ever.
3: I would. If you like Dennis Quaid in short shorts, but... Your mileage yeah. may vary.
1: Not to make a habit of this, but I'm going to go ahead and agree with Liz again. I think this is an eight. I also agree with Kevin that maybe that radiant smile could have been busted out a little more, mm-hmm. especially as the magic of baseball is taking over. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're basically using a resource that Dennis Quaid has abundantly and that is instantly recognizable. And I think it would have brightened it a little bit more and made, like, done a little bit more to, to counterweight that grim expression that he has the whole time, because... You know, this is supposed to be the magical and delightful part and you can light the audience up a little more. But still, like the command he has on his instrument, not, you know, pitching, but acting <laughs> in this case is is really remarkable for him. And, and he rescues some of what would have been much more like manifest doldrums in this movie if you had to sit there and watch Dennis Quaid kind of doing his previous kind of approach to material like this, which would just to be kind of whispery and baby voice <laughs>
3: oh god yes the baby oh, voice awful
2: i just think if you're if you're gonna cast this guy like you have to make sure that you have the proper sneer to smirk ratio and i think they reversed it in this movie <laughs> mm. you need a, a much different sneer to smirk ratio for in order to, to achieve the quadosity you were looking
1: for mm. i was hoping we could get through this whole episode without introducing new metrics but <laughs> <laughs> right, well, thank you so much for sticking around and doing this with us uh, we appreciate the, the effort that you made to ignore the transgressions committed against the the craft of baseball indeed <laughs> where can our listeners find your other stuff liz
0: you can find me five days a week and for the next three weeks overnight at sports.yahoo.com. We've got full coverage of Olympics and of the Super Bowl. I'm doing all of the commercial reviews myself. Please come make me feel like I've done something worth it. You can also find me doing a Phillies podcast called in and Season and Continued Success. You can find that at patreon.com slash season. Kevin,
2: you can find my writing stuff at fangraphs.com. Uh, you can watch me be an asshole on twitter at kevin underscore goldstein and i have a podcast that comes out every friday morning called chin music which is filled with a couple hours of baseball talking and independent rock and roll and somehow we keep doing it even though there's no baseball news
3: terrific fantastic thanks guys
2: thanks so
0: much thank you
1: Next time on Quaid in Full, far from heaven. In the meantime, scatter some rose petals, check out the show notes, and follow the podcast on Twitter at Quaid in Full Pod. Wondering when your favorite Quaid joint is getting covered or want to advertise on a specific film or TV shows episode? DMs are open. Or get even more content at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Quaid in Full. Quaid in Full is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Jeb Lund and edited by Jeb Lund. Don't subscribe yet? Don't leave it for the nuns. Get out, go sign up wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review Quaid in full so other people can find it. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. You
3: hey, the old I'm the old guy.